0: Guess who? I guess I'm not who you expected to see this morning, huh? As Jonathan said, you know, Pastor, he messaged me, or actually, he called me. He called me at uh, Friday evening, uh, probably about dinner time. Said, "Hey, uh, can you preach?" I was like, "Well, yeah, I can." Uh, So I don't have any fancy PowerPoint like pastor usually does because, well, you know, I kind of threw this together. I already had the idea. Um, I have any time I'm praying or I'm reading or uh, when we're in service or we're doing some sort of discussion on Scripture, if I have an idea or something pricks my spirit for a sermon, I'll write it down in my notes on my phone. And then I've got it and I'll do like a little synopsis of what the sermon would be about and, uh, that way, you know, when that way I can be ready in season and out of season, just as scripture says. So this was one of the, one of the, uh, sermons that literally it was just a sentence <laughs> two days ago. So bear with me as I go through this, cause I'm going to be looking off of my notes here very much cause I didn't have a lot of time to, to, um, marinate, <laughs> um, But in my journey of learning programming, which, if you don't know, I'm kind of teaching myself computer programming. Not trying to brag on myself, but it pertains to this. I have come across many aspects that relate to other areas of study or thought. The most interesting of these has been the if-then programming logic operators that open up the world of programming to an infinite chain of events that can be orchestrated from even the simplest of actions. For example... You can set up a program that, at the press of a certain button, your computer will open the disk tray, play loud music from the speakers, access your local uh, network, link up with your smart washer, run a cycle, order a list of groceries from your Amazon account, and set off the alarm to your home security system. That's a rather random list, but you can actually do that. Of course, nobody in their right mind would, set up, would spend the hours to set up a program that would do all these random actions. But it goes to show the power. One. Hey, there we go. Sorry. I don't know why that one's being so difficult, but it is. So, But it goes to show the power of this protocol, if, then. Because in every one of those scenarios, uh, situations on that, on that list, it's like, if this button is pressed, then do this. If this button is pressed, then do this. If this button is pressed, then do this. And it's just this list of if, then protocols. And you might be asking, what in the world does that have to do with the Bible? Or God? Or with you? Well, in a word, everything. We often do this sort of if-then condition with our kids. If you clean your room, you can go play in the backyard. And every time, these consist of a condition and a reward. There's a certain set of conditions that must be met before you can receive the reward. If you want, I want you to think back to every promise that's in, that was given to the Israelites in the Old Testament. And I went and looked. I spent hours looking this up but just about every single one of them had a condition and a reward every promise almost all of them for example let's go to leviticus 26 3 through 8 if you walk in my statutes and you keep my commandments and do them go on to the next one then i will give you the rain in due season And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And the ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in the land safely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Lost my spot. Go ahead and go on to the next one. Uh, And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. There were three conditions, and this laundry list of promises. And he kept those promises. If the people would only do the three things, walk in my statutes, keep my commandments, and do them, which it's kind of reiterating, but you get the idea. Sometimes we have to repeat ourselves to our own kids, right? No, not at all, never. <laughs> Another example would be 2 Chronicles 7.14, which I actually mentioned earlier. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Another example might be uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 9. But if you turn to me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of heaven, yet I will gather gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name. So, in all of these instances, now, I, I I didn't... I pulled about 17, and I was like, that might be a bit too much. So, I've just picked the three, picked these three, so that I could show the example that oftentimes, God, just like we do with our own kids, God will say, if you do this, then I'll reward you. If you do this, I will give you this. He did it with... Uh, he did it with Moses. Uh, I want to... I, I meant to use one of those, but he did it with Moses. He did it with them whenever they were in the desert, in the wilderness, before, and he did it with Joshua. He also did it with, uh, well, you get the idea. Pretty much all of them. So we know that we are supposed to follow these conditions that God has put for us. But what happens if we don't follow them? When our children don't do. What we ask them to do, whether that be through apathy or distraction or willful disobedience, we are grieved. We ourselves are grieved. And because we love them, we must correct this behavior. And in the same way, God corrects us. Now, here's the best part, though. Well, actually, no, this is not the best part. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. Colossians 3, 6, because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. So basically, if you say, if God tells you, if you do this, I'll do this, and you just say, no, he's going to have problems. We're going to have problems. We all know this. I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but hopefully somebody needs to hear this. Matthew six fifteen, but if you do not forgive others nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that interferes with your relationship with God then your father will not forgive your trespasses so if we harbor unforgiveness within ourselves that's another one of those if then if we harbor unforgiveness then our sins are not forgiven so we need to make sure that we've got it right here But, John 14, 15, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. So, there's pretty severe punishment. I mean, we all know what that punishment is. I mean, it has to do a little bit with fire. It gets kind of hot if we don't follow his commandments. But what if we only followed the conditions halfway? I mean, I'm sure most of you have experienced this in your lives especially if you've got kids which I'm pretty sure everybody in here has had kids at one point or as a kid themselves your parents or you as a parent tell your kid to go clean their room and 20 minutes later they come to you and say okay it's clean can I have my reward now and then you go look at the room and Let's just say that you guys have different standards of what clean means. <laughs> um, well, you, <laughs> there's many instances where we can halfway do it. For example, it's actually talked about by Paul in First 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love... Or others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and I'm just an annoying distraction. It's like you, you have one part, but you've got to do all of it. And we tell God that we're ready for our reward quite often. We come to Him and we say, Okay, God, I'm ready for my reward. And he comes to check out our work and he says, so you think that you've nailed it. You've, you've conquered your flesh. Well, what about that sin over there in the corner? Does it belong there? If I open up your closet, am I going to find a big pile of sin in the floor? What about under the bed? I, ju- I have that in my notes. You beat me to it. If I look in your drawers, am I going to find the sword of the spirit or am I going to find the sword of... Facebook newsfeed. If I look in your drawers, am I going to find the blessed breastplate of righteousness or the filthy tunic of self-righteousness? Where's your gospel shoes? Why is your shield of faith lying by the toilet? We make a mess of our lives. Just like a kid makes a mess of their stuff we're really good at it. I have never seen i have two i have a six four a six and a four year old I have never seen somebody make as big of a mess. but then my mom looks at me and says, "You did the same thing oh yeah don't forget the thirteen year old yeah she's pretty bad about it too <laughs> but this is where the fallacy of name it and claim it comes in because the name it and claim it idea is that I don't really have to do much. I can just say, okay, God, you said it, ask me, and you can get it. But he's like, okay, but did you clean your room? Well, no, but I expect a reward. Did you clean your room? And that name it and claim it eventually leads to selfishness, greed, pride, and covetousness. It breeds those things. And I'm, I'm sorry, last time I checked, anything that breeds those four things does not come from God. I'm pretty sure that's the antithesis of what comes from God. Now, sometimes when we do get it wrong, or we, you know, we don't do it right, God will discipline us, or he'll come in and he'll correct us. And here's the the best part of that. Now, if you are exempt from correction and without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. So if you're not receiving correction from God, you got problems. Now, that's between you and God, but you've got problems if that's happening. So we can be thankful in God's correction. We can rejoice in his discipline in showing us how to live our lives and how to be spiritually clean and have our spiritual room clean and how to obey him like a child would obey their parents. And I meant to share this earlier. My notes are a little jumbled. But as part of not not following his conditions, has anybody ever heard the term, God loves you just the way you are? Raise a hand. Okay, pretty much everybody. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of the most insipid false doctrines ever introduced to this, into the church. It is an excuse to claim the name of Christ, but to not follow his commandments. Because after all, if God loves you just the way you are, why on earth would you need to change? If you're a small child comes into the house from playing outside, and they are covered in filth from head to toe. Do you love them any less? No, you love them just the same. Of course not. But because you love them, you won't leave them that way. You'll take them in, and you'll help them get cleaned up. He loves you where you are, not how you are. And he also loves you enough to help you get cleaned up. If you are perfect how you are, Jesus died for nothing. This is an excellent lesson in self-righteousness. Saying, I'm perfect just the way I am. <laughs> no, you're not. And whenever I hear people who say that, and it grieves my spirit, whenever I hear church leaders Say that. You're just perfect the way you are. God, God loves you just the way you are. No, no. He loves you where you are. But he, but no one in their right mind is going to leave their child in a ditch. They're going to pick them up, put them on the road, dust them off, and send them on their way and show them which way to go. So what happens if we follow the conditions wholeheartedly? Well, of course, we receive a reward. woo First, we know what the initial reward is if we believe if we are believers in Christ and we believe that Jesus that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that God raised him. Well, of course, we receive eternal life. We receive salvation. That's the best reward. If he did nothing more, that would be enough. But he promises to bless us. And to show favor to his children. He wants to bless you, just like you want to bless your kids, just like you want to show favor to your kids. You're not going to show favor to some strange kid over your own child. Just like God is going to show favor to his kids rather than those who are not his children. God is always true to his word. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. We will sadly never be able to rid ourselves of our sin completely. But the beauty of it is he will bless us even if we screw up. Because he knows where our heart is. So if we screw up along the way, God's not going to say, oh, well, give me back that reward. I'm just going to take it. Now, depending on what your heart what your, where your heart is, he may do that. It's happened to me. Of course, I was rather, uh, I, I kind of hated God at that point, so he had every reason to. <laughs> so, so let's look at uh, Romans 3.3. 3. What then? If some did not believe or were unfaithful to God, their lack of belief will not nullify and make, valid the, make invalid the faithfulness of God and his word, will it? Will it? Oh come on, guys! You can do better than that. God's faithfulness is not dependent on other people following Him for you. God's faithfulness is not dependent on others, but you. I think that's a pretty good deal because I, I I don't know when this little philosophy started but it was in school whenever I was in school. But there would always be, the teacher would always say, okay, okay, everybody take your crayons or take this. Okay. Johnny, if you do that one more time, I'm going to take the crayons from everybody. Yeah, yeah, they do that now. I I believe it's called uh, group punishment or corporate punishment or something like that. Huh? Yes, stupid is very accurate. Yes, it is very accurate. Punishing the entire class, where everybody else who's following and obeying get punished because this one aren't you glad God doesn't do that? I mean, thank you, Jesus, that God doesn't do that because we would all be we would all be in some serious trouble right about now, if it was a one or all. Romans 8:17. And if we are His children then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Now, another thing that you hear people say is, you know, or presented is a sugar-coated Christian walk. You hear that a lot too. Well, it's not called a sugar-coated Christian walk, but it's presented that way. Oh, it's going to be cupcakes and rainbows. You're just going to walk on sunshine the whole time. God said, Jesus said, I was persecuted. You will be too. Now, whenever I was a kid, the persecution was subtle. It was, you know, underhanded. It was more disdain than persecution. But today... We're about this close to having to fight on a national and international level for our ability to sit here. So how how committed are you to following the conditions? Are you going to get distracted? Are you going to get apathetic about it? by? Oh, I don't know if I can do that because I'm going to get in trouble with my... With my federal government. I mean, it's possible. It happens in China right now. To say that it's never going to happen here, I don't think you know how the devil works. He really loves to screw things up. He really loves to really hurt the people who bear the name of Christ. And so the fact that we've been able to go for 200 years without having to worry about it is a godsend. And I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And whether God comes, whether Jesus is coming on the clouds in a few years or in a decade or in my lifetime, I don't know. But I'm going to act like he is. And so I'm going to, regardless of how bad things get, I'm going to follow Christ. So, what kind of reward should we ask for? Well, I mean, Psalms 34-7, or sorry, 37-4. Thanks, Mom, dyslexia. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him also, and he will do it. Just like small children, we rarely know what is in our best interest. So, when we ask for our rewards... For following the conditions our Father has set before us, sometimes we may be told no. And this is where the discernment of the Spirit comes in. Now, this is a whole sermon all on its own, talking about the discernment of the Spirit. But without that discernment, without praying to receive that discernment of what His will is and what reward He wants to give to you, it's kind of hard to figure that out. So that's one thing that we need to constantly pray for. That's a gift of the spirit that we should be asking for in reward for following his conditions. It's one of them. Just like if my daughter's asked for a 3-foot candy bar as a reward for cleaning up their playroom. Have you guys seen those 3-foot candy bars? They're like gigantic. You what? Now you want to see them? Go to Walmart, man. Go to Walmart. I mean, they're not literally three-foot candy bars. They're, you know, they've got packages and packages. But it's three feet of, like, Hershey's candy bar or Reese's or Twix or whatever. I know that I would tell them no. They would be upset with me. They might throw a fit. They might be sad. They might, be, they might have a little disdain for me because I told them no, that they can't have three feet of candy but I know in my, in my years of wisdom that I've gained, that's pretty easy to cover that one, three feet of candy is going to make you sick. And I know that with unfettered access to that three-foot candy bar, they're going to eat until they're sick. Just like we like to gorge ourselves on the flesh whenever we get access to it. Sorry, that was kind of off the, off the cuff. Um, I could ask God for a billion dollars as a reward for doing his will. But would that be reasonable? Would that serve his purposes? I honestly don't know. But what if God, because he can see all things, he knows that having that insane amount of money would open the door for weapons of the enemy or would destroy my family Or set us down a path that my family was never meant to walk. So when we say Jehovah Jireh, are we talking about is he our provider of Elon Musk style riches? No. He gives us what we need when we need it. And if he determines that you need an insane amount of money then that's up to him and he'll make it happen so maybe we should aim our focus just a little bit higher than just what this world has to offer Matthew 6:20 "But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal" While it's nice to have favor and blessing here on the earth, we should seek the things of heaven, but what exactly does that look like? Asking God for the means and ways to reach people with the gospel is one way, or asking God for the greater gifts of the Spirit, such as discernment, or asking God for the gift of healing so that you can offer attesting miracles to the power and the glory of God. So ultimately, you have to ask yourself, would you rather God give you gifts in your earthly bank account or your heavenly one? I'm wrapping up. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Sheila, if you'll come on up. I want you to ask yourself this question. What child am I? am i a child that is obstinate and rebellious am i a child that eh i do it but only part way or am i a child that does it all the way but maybe i'm expecting the wrong maybe i'm maybe i'm looking in the wrong place for a reward and we need to ask ourselves this question every day Because the devil is going to try and convince us that we need, that we can do one of those three things just about every day. There is a battle. We all know this. There is a battle for your soul on the regular. There's a battle for your soul constantly. So, if everybody would go ahead and stand up, please. I want, we're all family here, right? Right? We're all family here? Who do you go to for problems when you have problems? You go to your family. So if you need help with something, you go to your family. Well, God is our Father, and we're the brothers and sisters. So, I don't think anyone should be embarrassed. I'm not going to ask you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes, and and hide yourselves from from potentially helping your brother or sister get through something that they may have a problem with. And I think that that bravery... That that understanding that we are family, so we don't need to hide from our own insecurities and hide from our own shortcomings. I'm not gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. But if you can sit here and say honestly to your brothers and sisters who are going to help you, I don't I'm not I'm not really following his conditions. If that's you raise your hand. Good, good, good. That's good to see. Who thinks they can do better? Better than halfway. I can raise my hand on that one too. So (laughs) you're not alone. We can always do better, of course. Who thinks that we, who who, who thinks that, whose heart has been pricked by the Spirit to say, maybe you should be seeking other rewards, other gifts, more heavenly ones. I get, every one of us does that. Every one of us gets in that rut of, I got to make the next dollar. And I constantly, constantly, constantly have to beat it into my own head. He is my provider, not me. So we should not be focused on our earthly bank account, but our heavenly one. How much treasure are you storing in heaven? God's going to take care of you here. That's easy. He saved the entire world by sending his son to die on a cross. You don't think he can take care of your bank account? I'm preaching to myself here too, guys. You guys, I hope you know that. So I want everyone who raised their hands on any of those three points, we're all going to come down as a family and pray for each other. Go ahead and get in a circle just like we did last week. Just like you're a family person.